When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of stillcurtain.com. And joining me, as always, is contributor Shane Kubis. We are going to talk about the big injuries that happened with the Steelers this week, how the Steelers can replace Deontay Johnson and Cameron Hayward, what their outlook looks like in terms of their timetable to return. Uh, and then we're also going to preview the Steelers versus Browns matchup. Uh, we're going to focus on that later in the show. Uh, talk about the odds, uh, the, the biggest matchups to watch. And Shane and I will both give our game predictions as we always do. And unfortunately, Shane, I did not get my prediction right in the Steelers. I didn't foresee a 30 to seven game. Yeah. Uh, if we want to start off there. Yeah. That game didn't exactly uh, go to plan um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I didn't have that happening either. If you remember at 24, 20 Steelers and um, it's we'll, we'll get into it more, but definitely disappointing way to start the season. So let's talk about that game here for a minute. I not at all how I envision it going, really. And in fact, I couldn't have been more wrong, Shane, because in our in last Wednesday's episode of our live stream, I said I think that one of three things will happen. I think the Steelers will win a close game, 49ers will win a close game, or the Steelers will win by by two scores, and the Steelers get massacred. I didn't think that they were going to start off that slow, and and there were many reasons to believe that because. For starters, Mike Tomlin was 10-5-1 in week one historically with the Steelers. Pittsburgh was playing at home. They'd played their starters significantly more than the 49ers did during the preseason. And so the collection of these things led me to believe, Shane, that yes, although the Steelers are slight underdogs in this game, albeit at home, I thought that they'd be able to overcome those things and say, yeah, we're kind of hot and fresh coming off of these, uh, these, these preseason performances. Well, they got a rude awakening because the 49ers are just so much more talented than the second and third string players uh, that they played in the preseason, which goes without saying, but I did think they would be a little bit more equipped to handle uh, the, the Niners in week one. They were not, they got just smashed offensively, defensively. McCaffrey ran all over them. Purdy picked them apart through the air. They're just bad all around. And we really pointed out that, I mean, really outside of TJ Watt, there were just maybe a few other names to note there. I I, I did praise Anthony McFarland, yep. Calvin Austin. I thought they had strong yep. performances in fairly small roles in week one, uh, but it was really the TJ Watt show and, and got no assistance from anybody else. Yeah. And I think the main issue here that we saw is that the way the game started with that quick 17, nothing deficit really kind of set the tone for the rest of the game where Steelers mm. are constantly playing catch up. They had to throw the football all over the yard. And that's just not what this team wants to do ultimately. And it's, it's not so much that they shouldn't be able to, in some situations, I really do think they're talented enough to do that whenever the game calls for it. But 
Kenny started off really slow, took the sack in the first drive, and then threw the pick when Deontay slipped. It was already kind of a, a questionable pass, but at least it was going to be more of like a 50-50 ball, but ends up getting picked off. You know, Patrick Peterson slips on the touchdown, not you. Not saying he wouldn't have still you know, scored there, but mm-hmm. definitely didn't help. Like just those two plays, I think in particular, the slip by Deontay that leads to the pick, and then the slip by Pat uh, Pete to get that touchdown to Ayuk those two kind of really put the Steelers behind the eight ball and it really put them in a bad spot right away. And things just kind of spiraled from there. And you'll see that in the NFL. When things are going bad, sometimes they just keep getting worse, right? There's always that that switch flipped. And we saw a little bit of a glimpse of life with with that second, uh, excuse me, with the end of half drive where Pickett goes 95 yards for a touchdown Mm -hmm. to Pat. But even during that drive, we saw the miss to Deontay. That would have been an even easier touchdown. And he ends up getting it done to Pat still. And, you know, Frymouth, and you hope that, we could see more of that type of stuff, you know, this week coming up, but all around just a really rough day at the office for everybody involved. Yeah. And this wasn't exclusive just to the Steelers either. Shane. No, I mean, a lot of, a lot Joe of Burrow. My goodness. Yeah. If you go back and watch that, that Browns game, that, rough. that was the worst, the, the, the worst game that he has played ever. And against Cleveland, he always struggles against Cleveland for, for, for like some it, reason. Yeah. So, but this one was, I mean, really dreadful. 20 QBR, 82 passing yards. Yeah. I mean, he he had 17 targets combined to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, a pair of wide receiver ones, and they had 39 combined yards. And so it was just yeah. a it was it was a disgusting performance. This doesn't give Kenny Pickett a pass. And so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about Pickett uh, a little bit later, but uh Pickett has to improve. We can't yeah. this cannot be the trend. If this is the trend, like we said, the Steelers have some serious issues. Uh, but it's week one. Some fluky things happen. Uh, the bigger news than that, though, even Shane is we can stomach a loss. Yeah. But can the Steelers stomach Deontay Johnson and Cameron Hayward being out? Uh, and if just catching up on the news right now, Cameron Hayward suffered a groin tear that requires surgery. Not a fun thing to have, especially uh, for a trench player like that. He's going to be out up to eight weeks. And sometimes these things can even linger longer than expected. Uh, anytime you're dealing with soft tissue injuries like this. So it's it it's very much reminds me of what happened to TJ Watt. I mean, halfway through week one game, uh, different injury obviously, but halfway through the week one game, you suffer a soft tissue injury, and now you are probably going to be out for half the season. And and so it's it's a very unfortunate blow uh, to the Steelers. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball with Deontay. You can say what you want about Deontay. I I harp on him as much as as much as anybody does because I don't think he was very efficient last year, but he's still this team's top uh, target getter over the last three years. He was their most productive uh, receiver in, in that three year span in terms of his targets, receptions and yards. And so they need this guy, this guy gets open. And I think I, I was predicting he would have kind of a bounce back year a little bit this year, not be like a top 10 receiver or anything that way, but he, he's an important part of the offense chain. And so losing him uh, and his injury, the estimate right now is up to four games. But like I said, that's a hamstring. I mean, we've seen guys come back from a hamstring and then immediately leave again for another few weeks. Like, it just depends. He he looked like he was in a lot of pain when he went down on the field, and that's never a good sign when you're dealing with an injury like this. Yeah, and if we start with Cam, talking about him again, you mentioned the soft tissue injuries especially have a high rate of reoccurrence, and, and they do. And I think that's why he opted for surgery because it corrects it right away make sure that there's no question about whether or not it's fully healed necessarily by the time that he's ready to come back. So if it does reoccur, it's, it's not going to be because necessarily it wasn't, he wasn't ready to come back. It just means that it happened again. Right. Like I think it gives him the best chance of saving a season 
for even if it is just the back half of the season. So I, I agree with that. I, as much as I hate seeing him be out eight weeks, I'd rather it be eight weeks and a higher chance of him staying on the field than, than you know, five or six than him getting hurt again. So I'm okay with that. And then with Deontay, yeah, with the hamstring, with a guy like him, like explosiveness is so important, obviously, at that position. And, and him especially, his ability to break out of his routes and his route running ability is so tied to that explosiveness and, and quickness that he has. So if he can't fully plant and go and, and have that power come from that part of his leg, it's just it, it's going to be tough for him to, to play on it until it's fully healed. And you hope they give him as much time as possible, especially because they do have somebody we'll talk about a little bit later, who I think can at least give you, you know, 75, 80% of what, Deontay gives you as a route runner and as an explosive play threat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that talking about Calvin Austin, obviously we'll talk about him a little bit later. Yeah. It just sucks. This is back-to-back years, yeah. Shane, where the Steelers lose pretty significant players. I think yes. most people would agree that Cam Hayward's a top three player on the team. Deontay is mm-hmm. a top five or six player. And so I don't know if the collection of the loss between Hayward and Johnson will equal what Watt is. Watt is just, he's just not human it's, that way. Right. It's, it's so, tough. Yeah, it's tough and, and if you're asking me like just right now, I think I'd rather have Watt healthy than, than these two guys, even as valuable yeah. as they are. It's, it's, yeah. it's tough to say, cause I don't know how badly Steelers offense is going to struggle. I mean, struggled bad with Johnson in there. So that's, that's kind how of bad point. is it going to yes. be without him? That's what the issue. Calvin Austin do? Know, like, yeah. Those are the questions we're going to, Shane and I are going to talk about that in just a second here. Uh, let's talk about Antonio Brown. For a I hate talking about Antonio Brown chain. I hate it, yeah. but we have to do it because he forces himself he to pop up in the news cycle all the mm-hmm. time. It usually 90% of the time or more for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And so this has just been the case with him. It's every, every month or so he'll pop back up. And if you don't know what's going on with Antonio Brown right now, basically he went on Twitter and it all blew up and he, he said, he, he tweeted out the, the caption, hear me out with a picture of himself in his himself in a Steelers uniform. Yeah. Obviously he's, it's very easy. He's not, he's not hiding anything here. Uh, it's not hard to decrypt. He's asking essentially to come back to the Steelers with Deontay Johnson injured. And then he goes in a little bit later, uh, what ended up being a few hours after seven hours after that, he posted a picture of himself in a Steelers uniform crop next to George Pickens in a Steelers uniform, confirming that thought saying, yeah, I, I I'm going to be Deontay Johnson for you guys. It's not happening, Shane. I mean, yeah, they, these bridges not. are burnt. This guy's 35 years old. And I bet Johnson, I, I excuse me, I bet Brown, he, we know how good he is. I mean, yeah. this is like a an all-time type player. He's probably good enough, and he's probably in good enough shape where he can go out there and help this offense a little bit. But these bridges are so burnt. They are, they are burnt to the ground right now, and there's no possible way that he's coming back. No, so my whole thing with Antonio Brown at this point is if we want to talk about him, the only thing I want to talk about is him getting – taking care of as far as his legal issues and making sure that he pays mm-hmm. for those things. And then also after mm-hmm. that, uh, getting the mental health uh, help, because that's what he clearly needs more than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, if that conversation isn't what we're talking about with him, uh, then it's honestly a waste of time. There's nothing else to really talk about with the guy. Um, I, I will say, I agree with you that if I, I would be surprised if he couldn't g- give a team right now, six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, like tomorrow, that's just how good he was and how good he probably mm-hmm. still is realistically. I don't care though. I don't think anybody else does either. Cause if they did, he'd be playing for somebody right now, despite all of his issues he has right now. Um, so yeah, he can say what he wants and he's going to continue to say what he wants. I think we all know that, but uh, yeah, that, uh, that isn't going to happen. So we can uh, move on to what actually could possibly help with the team offensively. So yeah, Shane, I think it's super easy at this point to make a case that Antonio Brown is the biggest head case 
in all time of football. You talk about diva receivers. One of, receivers, one of the, like if he, not the, yeah. He is right on top of that list because you, you compare him to T.O. or any of these other guys. Yeah, he he I makes mean, Owens they, look like a saint at this point. Yeah, he really he might does. As well be Mother the, Teresa. So. He might as well be the best guy on the planet. I, I know. And <laughs> just the laundry list of, of off-the-field issues compiled yeah. with that now. There, there's a reason why nobody has touched Antonio Brown in a few years now. Yeah. And so yeah. that, I don't even like getting into it. But it's just, again, it's something he pops up in the news cycle. He, he forces does. himself to. So something we brush on real briefly and I won't spend another breath talking about Antonio Brown right now. If you guys are joining us in the live chat here, please make sure that you drop your questions yep. uh, in comments for us. We'd love to get to those questions. Uh, uh, we're excited about this next game and to see the direction this team is going to take. We hope that it can correct itself. Shane and I are going to give you that Steelers versus Browns preview here coming up real soon. Uh, before we dive into that show though, Shane, let's talk about these significant injuries and, and kind of where the Steelers go from here. Yeah. Uh, the, obviously Deontay Johnson, Cameron Hayward, integral parts of this team. Uh, nobody's denying that at all. Uh, so let's start with, with DJ here. How are the Steelers going to replace this guy? I've got an idea and I think it involves a lot of Calvin Austin. Uh, but I, I want to hear your thoughts, Shane, does an external move need to be made? Let's say if this guy is out four weeks. And so it just doing the math right now. And I looked at this, the schedule again this morning, the Steelers have that early week six by. So I was, uh, I was really opposed to that early on because I'm like, I, I want to buy more sore in the middle of the season, even towards the end of the season, because if this team does is good enough to go into the playoffs and, and grab a wild card spot, you're looking at like 15 straight weeks plus playoffs where you don't get a break it, it, yeah. going to the Super Bowl. So if they were to get there, that's obviously a right. <laughs> big if. if. So yeah. now looking at it, knowing the injuries they've already suffered, Shane, I'm not so opposed to this early buy anymore because I think it buys you a little bit of time. It ensures you that you get your guys a little bit more time uh, to recover. So if Johnson's out four weeks with that, with that hamstring pull, like a lot of people are expecting him to be, well, the four weeks happens to line up right where the four weeks goes into the bye week, week six, and then he can come out of that in week seven, uh, which gives him essentially a fifth week to recover and make sure there's no setback there. Um, so that's the good news. The bad news is we don't have Deontay Johnson. So what are the options here? Should Steelers look for outside help? Or are they content with what they have on the roster and who can fill that void? So I think that looking for outside help may become necessary just for depth purposes. Cause right now, I mean, Miles Boykin, I know is on the injury report. I don't know if it's actually serious or not, but he isn't really a true, like he's not going to yeah. give you a lot offensively at this point in his career. Anyway, Gunnar Orszewski is going to see a lot more, you know, Snaps. I don't know if it's going to matter much in terms of receiving targets or anything like that. Um, so from from a depth per, uh, per, uh, perspective, I would say for sure. Now, I do think that this this conversation starts and ends with Calvin Austin. He's the guy that has to replace De Deontay if they want to replace that role because there's no one else on the team that can do half of what Deontay does as a route runner. And I think that's kind of why you have to really look at Calvin and give him probably most of the snaps offensively just because you want somebody out there who can threaten defenses with the ability to separate. And also in his case, more so even than DJ down the field, right? Like we saw what he did in the preseason on the big play for Mason Rudolph. And like, obviously it's preseason. And we, as we found out the preseason can definitely lie to you. Um, now, so like, I'm not going to say that he can do that every game or anything like that, but he gives them something that the rest of the receivers on the roster simply do not do with DJ out. So if he doesn't get most of the snaps or maybe even all the offensive snaps, this next week, then I would be very surprised because again, who are you, who can you turn to to do this 
other than mm-hmm. Calvin at this point. You're not going to bring somebody in midweek yep. and ask him to play a lot of snaps. So even if they do add somebody to the active roster, and I think they added a practice wide receiver. I'm not sure who it was today, but um, either either way, like you're not going to be able to replicate DJ with anybody you pick up off the street. At least with Calvin, you can do some of that same stuff, do some of the creative things they, they can do with DJ sometimes, and also just have a threat on the field to separate quickly. I found it interesting, Shane, that after Johnson went down with that injury, it was Calvin Austin who was sliding over and yes. doing much of his role. And so I'm glad that they're approaching it that way. Now, the big question obviously comes, can he handle that job? And, and right. I think that, that why we have to look at that and why it's fair to look at that. Calvin Austin is five foot seven and three quarters. And so I know it doesn't seem like there's a huge difference between five, ten and a half, five, seven, three quarters, whatever. That, that just it decreases the catch radius as athletic and explosive as Austin is. That's a small catch radius. And so you, we have the right to question, can he operate on the outside? Because there are very few receivers that are that size in the NFL who can do it. I mean, it's, you're, you're really looking at like the, the Tyree kill type guys, and he's got a lot more mass to his body and just, just a freak of nature as well. Yeah. So can he handle that role? I can the route running be good enough. Uh, can he be sharp enough in that aspect of the game and create enough separation where you can, it's okay to have a small target uh, radius because you are get so good at getting open. So that's the part that I'm interested to see. Is he a slot only like many expect him to be, or is he a guy can play X receiver? Is he a guy that can play outside and beat press coverage and, and do some of those challenging things uh, that, that kind of are a little bit underrated with Johnson's game. And so that's the part I'm most interested to see. And so uh, behind him outside of Calvin Austin and on the roster right now, when Johnson's not there, you've got no speed, quickness, twitch, explosiveness. I mean, that's just not your game at all. You've got the big body possession type receivers like the George Pickens, the Allen Robinson, the Miles Boykin, if, if he's healthy. So it, you need to kind of diversify your receiving core a little bit. And I think that that's why, I mean, moving forward, Austin needs to stay healthy, especially if he proves that he can handle this role, because if yeah. you have an injury to him, now you're looking at all of the same types of players, obviously with differing degrees, like Pickens is the best by far yeah. of that group, but you're looking at all of the big body possession type of receivers. And I think at that point, if something significant happened, maybe they would have to go out and look elsewhere, poach somebody off somebody else's practice squad or, or go make a minor trade for yeah. a receiver because you're just not going to be able to handle all those roles with guys who essentially win the same game. Everything's going to be uh, win the same way. Everything's going to be contested. And that's not what you want, especially for a young quarterback like Pickett. We, we'd say routinely, Shane, that Steelers were worst team in the league yards after the catch. They need to be much, much better. You need to be at least like mid-level uh, in that regard to, to ensure that Pickett's not going to completely bust. Like they, these receivers need to aid him after the catch. Yeah. I think Johnson has, or excuse me, I think Calvin Austin has more upside of anybody to do that for obvious reasons. The guy runs a 4 3 2 uh, with a, the 11 foot three broad jump and the crazy explosiveness that he had, you go back and watch his Memphis tape and you can see yeah. what I'm talking about. But this guy has the chance every time he touches the ball to take it the distance. And so I'm very interested to see what he does. I kind of hope Shane that he gets like six or eight targets because I want to see what he can do with that work. Assuming the target quality is better from Pickett this week. Uh, I'm really interested to see how he does that. But I do think the plan is, yeah, it's going to be the, the Calvin Austin show in terms of replace replacing uh johnson's production a little bit there and we'll see what kind of what he does with these opportunities can he make the most of it here uh do you have anything else that you want to add any any 
any other thing else uh, in terms of the, the Deontay Johnson injury? Uh, really mostly just that, again, then you talked about it. Like I think Austin is a unique receiver in the sense that he, he may not be able to necessarily beat press coverage in the way that some other receivers can, but he can kind of almost mm-hmm. avoid it. And I think even there's the quote from like Sauce Gardner a couple of years, I think it was a year or two ago now where like he said he was one of the hardest guys to cover because he's just so small you can't get your hands on him properly. Like mm-hmm. it is very hard to press a guy with his with his stature just because you have to get lower. You have to be able to get your punch off right because he's quick as hell. Like that, that's kind of the whole thing with him is he can play on the outside a little bit in certain situations solely because it's really hard to stay with him on the line, right? Like even if you try to get a press on him, you might just not be able to touch him. So I think they're going to try to take advantage of that a little bit. And I do think he can survive out there at least long enough to let DJ heal up. And hopefully we see him back week seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there were so many people like prior to the draft last year that were, uh, excuse me, following the draft as soon as he was drafted to the Steelers, giving him the lazy Dre Archer comparison yeah, to him. I'm like, yeah. yes, for, for, from a size standpoint, sure, an yeah. athletic standpoint, very, very comparable that way. But Archer was not a natural football player at all. They had no, to engineer touches, find, find creative ways to get him the ball because was he a running back? Was he a receiver? They didn't know, and they couldn't no. figure out a, a way to use him. This That's not the case for Austin. Austin is a He's much a more player. natural receiver. He's a better route runner. He's got better hands. So I think that that's going to show itself in time. It's just what degree of that, like how natural is he compared to how athletic is he? Like what's the balance there? So is he, is he more natural than uh, natural enough to handle multiple roles, roles on that offense? Like, I think that theoretically, if he is, you could have him play anywhere. You can have him play slot X Z. Like if he's, if you can beat the X or the, the press coverage in X, you can put him in motion and Z and just do like drags and creative yeah. things with him. Of course, that's going to come down to the game plan, Shane. Yep, and, which I and, imagine and, and won't what, be that different than normal. <laughs> it, it may not. And, and that's that's the big concern that we all had uh, going into a third year with Matt Canada. So we'll see uh, what happens there. All right, let's talk about Cam Hayward now and his replacement. And if again, if you are here joining us in the live chat, please drop your questions for Shane and I. We would yep. love uh, to answer any questions that you might have regarding the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Shane, let's talk about Cam Hayward. Uh, big loss. I mean, yeah. this is a guy who was so stout at the point of attack. And I would, I mean, I know that he's getting up there in age. I know that he's 34 years old now. And, and at the tail end of his career, probably maybe just a year or two left in the tank. If that, regardless, he's coming off a Pro Bowl season. I think he was deserving of it. Uh, and the, the, the guy's still good. I mean, he's still a good football player. He's still far and away their best uh, defensive lineman, probably both in terms of run defense and pass rush ability. So this is a loss that you hate to see for the Steelers uh, losing a player this big. And Hayward has been so healthy throughout his career. Yeah. I mean, you got to go back to 2016 when he had a peck tear uh, was the last yeah. time that he missed any significant action more than just a game at all. And so he's been, we're, 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 we've been so fortunate to have him all this time healthy now he suffers a big injury late in his career. Uh, we got to talk about that and, and what the Steelers are going to do to replace him, Shane. So they've got some young and unproven guys on that defensive line. And sadly, it went very poorly for the Steelers in week one. Uh, the, the 49ers do this to teams. They're not the only ones to get exposed by Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan's offense where you get the the, the defense flowing one direction. But it's so well blocked. My goodness, it is so yeah. well blocked. Every play in that offense. So I don't foresee it going so poorly against the Browns. Although you're going from McCaffrey to Nick Chubb for my money. That's running back one in the NFL to running back two. So you're talking about getting back to back weeks, the best running backs in the league. How are they going to defend against this? How are you going to, to uh, stomach the loss of Cam Hayward? 
So I think it's twofold. I think that unlike with Deontay, where there's really only one guy on the roster who I think is going to be able to replicate much of anything he does, I think that it's going to be a committee approach here more so than that. And I think it's going to start with Keanu Benton. And and the reason I say that is he's the only guy on the roster right now that's showing me, even if it's just in the preseason and it's some good snaps in week one, that he can actually deconstruct blocks, block shed, get off of guys in the run game and make some sort of an impact there. I think the other guys in the middle of that group aren't going to be able to do that nearly as well as him. So they need to make sure he's on the field much more just for that reason alone. And he also does has, has of course, the pass rush upside. He had a couple of good wins in that game as well. But it's going to be to him, and then you hope or assume DeMarvin Leal, right? Like, he's going to be the mm-hmm. other guy that's playing inside primarily. It's going to replace a lot of his snaps. And he's more of the true just pass rusher. I don't think he's going to help a ton in the run game. He did get moved around pretty often in week one, which, yeah. again, this is a team that they do that to you. The Niners' you know run game is different than really any other team's run game in terms of how well it's blocked and how well it's schemed. So, don't want to say he can't defend the run, but it's not going to be his strength, right? It just isn't what he he does as well as rushing the passer. So I think those two are going to be primarily who soak up a lot of the snaps that Cam would normally get. And I think that's the right move because you get a little bit of everything with those two. And especially Benton, I think he's going to be the one that has to mm. truly start in his spot and then see how many snaps he gets throughout the game. But that's really, I think, what they have to do if they want to be able to stop the run, especially, and also get that pass rush impact. You talk about a tall task for Keanu Benton. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're it's tough, but he, he's a 21 year old rookie coming in here. And the expectation was kind of ease him into action. A yeah, little bit. We know he's tackle play. And, yeah, we yeah. know he's going to play at nose and, the, and he would be an upgrade over anything the Steelers had there. I mean, Montrevious Adams was pretty awful last year and, and yeah. Tyson Lulu didn't come back. And so, uh, but to ask him to not be able to, to have the luxury of doing that anymore. And now immediately, I mean, I would have to assume that he's going to go and, and instantly play he 80 to 90% of snaps for the Steelers because Shane, I think there's a chance it, it cause, cause I don't think the bar, the bar is particularly high. I think there's a chance that from right now, moving forward, that, that Keanu Benton is their best interior defender. However you want be. to define that be. because you've got Larry Ogunjobi there, the veteran. Uh, I wasn't, I, I wasn't crazy about what I saw from Ogunjobi last year. Now I think that Ogunjobi had a pretty good, uh, first week in respect because everybody yeah. was getting pushed and bowled over. Overall, so, I mean, he, the foot didn't seem like a yeah. huge issue. So there's that at least. So yeah, it was, well, she definitely looked healthier. I feel yeah. like, uh, the, the thing though, is uh, we got to stop like right now, well, let's put an end to like the labels. Like, so you can't play. I mean, this Benton's not going to replace Hayward because he's a no stack or whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I mean, really it, what it comes down to it is you've got to get your best players on the field benton's going to be better than montrevious adam benton's yes. going to be better than than isaiah Loudermilk or some of the other guys that you're going to put out there so you need to make sure uh that you're sliding benton around and get him in advantageous situations help this kid succeed uh and i think that he's going to kind of show himself as that but we, we talked about it uh on the curtain call yesterday yes shane yeah. about how you can't replace Cam Hayward with one player. It's, it's not something that no. you can do. And, and so I think that it's going to be a collection of things. And, and so for Ben, it's going to be maybe his well-roundedness kind of in that role, a guy that can kind of shift over up and down the offensive line. Uh, maybe you get, maybe you get some run defense from Isaiah Loudermilk. At least we're hoping so in year three. Now the guy's yeah. a little bit bigger uh, than he, than he was coming into the league at 274 pounds, obviously. And so you hope that he can offer something there. And then, DeMarvin Leal is going to give you some more of the pass rush type stuff, but it's going to be a collection group effort here to see how much you're not going to be able to replace Hayward, but how much of Hayward 
Can you replace? I'm very optimistic about Benton and, and Shane Pro Football Focus just, just uh, tweeted out that he's the second highest graded player uh, among rookies this this week in week one. So definitely reason to be optimistic, especially when you're going against a, such a talented 49ers team like he was uh, in his very first NFL game. So we'll see what they can do against, again, another really good running team. They have been for quite some time yeah. uh, in the Cleveland Browns. So it's going to be a, just a heavy rotation of guys. And this is one, Shane, more so than wide receiver. I can definitely see the Steelers going out and potentially yes. making a move. Yeah for an interior defender, a guy that can slide up and down there. I mean, go out and get yourself a, a seasoned veteran who can come in and at least uh, take some of the pressure off of the young guys here. So I would not be surprised if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised to see a poach off of somebody else's practice squad or even a, a, a trade like we we kind of alluded to already. Um, they, they might need that depending on how these guys perform over the next few weeks here because we know that, I mean, we might be looking at half a season for Hayward here. Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Shane? Uh, other than just the fact that, that we probably see a defensive lineman elevated off the practice, probably Fahoko, if I had to assume, just for run defense yeah. purposes. We'll see if they – I don't know if they've already done that or if I haven't seen anything today come out about it, but I assume we're going to see at least a body added from the practice squad just to replace that roster spot. But if not, then it is going to be just the guys we talked about already. Yeah, for sure. I think there's going to be another body added there. All right, if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Steel Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Steel Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. And if you are with us live right now, please drop your uh, questions in the live chat. We would love to get to those. Yep. Shane, we are going to preview Steelers versus Browns yeah. in week two. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That loss in the rearview mirror past it, past it. Like we said, a lot of fluky things happen in week one. If this becomes a trend, then we got lots of things to talk about yes. in a very negative yeah. way. Unfortunately, uh, but I'm yes. going to be optimistic here, which is something that I've been criticized for not being in the past very often. <laughs> I, I tend to be a realist, Shane. You know Me that, too. Me too. and, and yeah. so uh, I, I call things the way it is. Having said that. I'm going to give Kenny Pickett a little bit of grace. I'm going to give Matt Canada a little bit of grace and the entire team that just looked like they didn't show up to play football. 
Like I said, there were many teams around the league last week that did not look like they showed up. The New York Giants didn't show up in a 40 to nothing they, blowout. They loss. actually didn't. They would have been better off not showing up at all. They like actually. It wouldn't have been a the- difference <laughs> if they if they had nine players on the field. Shane, that's how bad they were. It was. It was so. Bad. Yeah. And and sometimes it just works out that way. I don't know what it is about week one, but sometimes people are just just caught so like uh, off guard uh, that they just have just abysmal performances. And like I said already, Joe Burrow. Josh Allen. I mean, there, there were really good football players who played really, really poorly. Uh, so until this becomes a trend, then we will talk about it and then yeah. we will criticize as necessary. For now, Shane, I'm going to expect the Steelers to take a step forward to kind of put this one past them. And they've got fuel now. These yeah. guys have fuel. What Trent Williams said, and Trent was the, the all pro offensive tackle for the 49ers, say, essentially saying, yeah, I could have used more of a break. Our offense was always out there and our, our, our defense was not. So it had been nice for the Steelers to pick up a first down as every once in a while. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Pretty but much. That's kind was. of a slap <laughs> in the face. And, and I yeah. hope that these guys are taking that as fuel. Like people are saying this about us. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let, let's talk about Steelers versus Browns week two odds. Starting off the week, Shane, the Steelers for back-to-back weeks at home are underdogs in this game, two-point underdogs, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. What do you make of that line? Is it fair after the monstrosity that, w- that we just saw in week one for the Steelers? So I, I think when you factor in the way that these two teams played in week one, um, I think that the plus two is is, is fair because the Steelers' offense did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And the Browns just shut down Joe Burrow in a way that no one has ever shut him down, going back to probably his first year at LSU. was the last time somebody played him that well and that he played that poorly. And also kind of fair, though, because the Browns' offense just kind of got by. Like They didn't really do anything particularly great other than their run yeah. game, which obviously is always good. Sean Watson did not exactly inspire a ton of confidence that he's going to become the guy that he was prior to his whole situation playing out. So I think that overall this is pretty fair because it's probably expected to be. I'm sure the over-under is barely 40. I don't know what the – I didn't check the over-under. but Yeah, 39 it, and a half. Exactly, yeah. So like that, they're expecting a low-scoring game, and when you have a low-scoring game, even if some one team is favored, they're rarely going to be fair, uh, favored by a ton. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's fair considering if you're just, especially taking into consideration what happens week one. Yeah. I mean, polar opposite stories, right? Like Steelers were blown out 30 to seven. The Browns win 24 to three. And like you said, nothing fancy on offense. I mean, Deshaun Watson was not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they were able to run the football and play great defense, which is really concerning. Shane, honestly, that's the main thing. I I think Jim Schwartz is really good. And you go from Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz. That is a huge Huge upgrade. I'm talking about the Browns defensive coordinator right now. Yes. Uh, and, and so that's that's going to be great for them. You're watching, and, and I go back and I watch that that uh, Browns and Bengals game, and I see Schwartz using Miles Garrett like he's Micah Parsons, like lining yes. him up all over the place. He's like dancing and almost like taunting over the center before mm-hmm. he just rushes in and gets an easy pressure. Coordinators getting creative. Like yes. everybody should be following Dan Quinn and what the Dallas Cowboys have done uh, these, these past couple of years now, because using Parsons, the way they do the stunts that they, that, that they, uh, that they do over there in Dallas and then getting four edge players on the field and third and long. I mean, they're ahead of the curve here. Yeah. I think, I think the rest of the NFL is going to catch up eventually getting, getting three or four safeties on the field and passing situations, taking your linebackers off the field who will have, uh, could be more of a liability in passing situations. Whereas the Steelers pretty much stick to a variation of their nickel, yeah. uh, and sometimes dime. So, um, I, I'm, I'm just going off on a tangent right now, <laughs> Shane, but I do want to see the Steelers get to that point eventually when it, when it comes to 
creativity on their defense, but they're facing some of that creativity this week with yeah. Jim Schwartz and the Browns. I think we're going to see that. So some of the matchups we're going to talk about now, uh, and we'll get to Miles Garrett in just a second because that's a big one here. And we know yeah. that the Steelers always have to devote a little bit more uh, attention to him, Shane. Uh, but let's talk. Let's start, first start with the Browns' big injury. We talked about the Steelers' big injury. Jack Conklin, their former yeah. All-Pro tackle, uh, is he's out. I mean, he's gone he's with done an injury. For the year. So yeah. d- done for done for the year, and he's had some very unfortunate injury yeah, luck in his career. Sadly, uh, the Steelers will be getting Daywan Jones at right tackle, a player that was very much on their radar before the Steelers kind of lost interest a little bit there with his motivation and there were questions about that at his pro day, uh, the shape that he came into. Uh, Cause I thought that day one was a player that they would very much target in those, in the the early rounds, but it sounds like he was very turned off to teams, which is why he fell to the fourth round. I think the Browns could be potentially getting a steal here, Shane, if he's motivated and if he tries hard, because this guy was good at Ohio state and they, they just don't come in this type of body type with this type of wingspan, the guy is a mammoth. So I'm very interested to see how a player like TJ Watt is going to hold up against day one. I mean, I shouldn't say that Watt is obviously the better player here, but can he go through day one or are you just going to have to go around him and Watt? Watt can obviously make him look silly at times. I expect him to uh, at times here, but day one can kind of swallow up guys, which we've seen him do in college. Uh, How do you see this matchup going? We saw, we saw Watt just, just, massacre Colton McKivitz in week one, uh, who was just, I mean, just way out of his element. Yeah, yeah, he had five, five previous starts uh, in three seasons before that. Uh, Watt is obviously right now. He's the highest graded edge edge defender in the league. 94.4 overall grade. Can he, can he embarrass day one the same way that he embarrassed McKivitz or is day one going to have a little bit better handle on this? So I think day one does have a much better chance of having success against TJ just because of his physical traits. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of this is going to come down to can what get his his rip move to work against a guy with this size profile because if he can get around him the way that he typically does tackles he can yeah. get up under them and he should have obviously the leverage advantage it's just going to be can he get this guy's hands off of him once he does make contact because if he can turn the corner on him he's done like that's one thing with day one is like if you can get around him and that's hard enough as it is even though he's not the quickest guy in the world obviously this size if you can turn the corner on him there's nothing he can do at that point he just doesn't have he's not that type of tackle that can recover from that type of thing and i also think it's going to be really important that tj has to go to an inside counter move on this guy you have to get him just to, to threaten the you have to threaten the edge on this guy and, and make him have to try to kick set back as far as he can and then take that inside leverage move because if you can get that then you have a straight on shot with the quarterback Mm -hmm. down as well so you can get really quick pressure that way and also i really think and this is it's going to sound counterintuitive because of the length disadvantage i think you need to get herbig lined up on this guy a couple times because yeah his 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 speed to the outside like we saw it in the preseason against really good tackles actually for the most part and some guys who played in the Mm -hmm. nfl like they could not handle that speed to the outside if you give him a couple reps on him, I think you could get an explosive player or two from the defense. So overall, though, I think TJ obviously has the upper hand. I think it's just going to be he he has to understand like what this guy does well. Do not play into it. Do not let him mm-hmm. you know try to just get in your chest. Don't let him you know don't try to go through him. It's just not going to work realistically. It's kind of the same issue you deal with with guys like Trent Brown or you know other guys like that. Yeah. So you look at Orlando Brown Jr. as well. Like you don't try to go through these guys. Just you can get around them. You just mm. need to make sure you're deliberate about it and you you set that up and then you got to set that inside counter up, like I said. Yeah, and TJ is obviously the defensive player of the year here. So yeah. Shane and I, we're not giving him tips. He obviously knows what to do and, and we expect him yeah. to have a very good game. He's yeah. going against a rookie. But like you said, Shane, 
you don't go against 380 pound offensive tackles very, very often. often. Yeah. And this is, this is his niche. Day one's niche is swallowing up those bull rushes because yes. you can't go through this guy. No, there's just I no mean, you're, he's got a hundred pounds on what? And so More what is going to happen? He really does. And, and yeah. so what, and I asked Watt about his weight last year, he said he rests out in the 260 to 265 range. Right. The guy's, I mean, he's added muscle since he yes, came into he the has, league for sure. And he's super powerful. I would bull rush against just about anybody with Watt, but this is probably not yeah. the time to, to not pull the it out unless you think you can, <laughs> if he's if he's uh, his stance is too high or something, you get ahead of right. steam, run right through him because Watt can still catch him off guard that way. Power oh, yeah. to speed, power to speed matters. Yes. Uh, but I think that you're right, Shane. When you talk about Nick Herbig here, that's a matchup I would like to see. Now these guys did go against each other a little bit in college during that Ohio State Wisconsin game, uh, and Herbig was able to slide around him on a few plays to, to make some nice run fits there. Yeah. Herbig is the guy that's really small with no length, but he does have incredible quickness and bend off of that edge. And what is day one's weakness? It's going to be that leverage type to getting low with mm -hmm. a guy like Herbig when, when he's bending that corner. So I'd love to see that matchup a few times there. And just to see, can he do anything against him? Can he get, can he, can he dip right around him, get a super quick uh, pressure? And, and right. so, we saw, I mean, Watt is so good that you don't have to flip him sides. I mean, no, he, he's he gonna likes dominate. to rush from that. Left, he's going to yeah. dominate from that side. And people will say, well, yeah, he's going against worse tackles on the right tackles. You typically, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not going to argue against that unless you're going against Elaine Johnson or Jack Conklin, who doesn't happen to be in this game now. Uh, you typically don't go against always the best teams tackle, but anymore, uh, teams, players can kind of flip. If the Steelers wanted to flip TJ, He's going to be great no matter where he plays. Yeah, you can rush him from the middle. You can, you just can feels do that kind of stuff with him. Rushing from yes, I mean, he's a superstar player. He's going to be good, good no matter where you put him. He's comfortable doing that. And I don't have any complaints, Shane. He, he forced two fumbles. Should have should have came away with two fumbles. Yeah. Uh, or fumble recoveries this past game. Three sacks, nine pressures, five QB hits. I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. At the same time, let's get a little creativity going in here. Blitz, come bring Herbig in, have him blitz from the middle, see what he yeah, can do. Either way, uh, get, get Watson uncomfortable. And the Steelers, they've owned the Browns in the past. I think they're, I think their pass rushers have the ability to beat up. And you even, I didn't, we don't have this one listed, Shane, but I think even if you look at the matchup on the other side with Alex Highsmith uh, against Jedrick Wills, Highsmith yeah. put some nasty spin moves on Wills uh, last year when they played. And so, uh, and I, I think he had a. Did he have a multiple sack game against Wills? I believe year? he. I, I believe remember. he did. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was one of the Browns. That games might have been his one of his three sack games, maybe. So I, I know, but I, I think he had one in Week One against uh, against Jonah Williams, who's over at Cincinnati on the right side now. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that that is a matchup he can exploit too, because Wills has not progressed uh, like the Browns had hoped for. Um, let's move on from this matchup, though, Shane. Let's talk about uh, the Steelers' run defense versus Nick Chubb. A big one here and a, a huge test without Cameron Hayward, who, again, has just been the most stable presence this team has had uh, over the past decade. And, and and so on the defensive side of the ball. And so you look at Nick Chubb. I mean, the drop off from from McCaffrey to Chubb is not all that huge. You're still talking about an all pro running back. And so how can you how can you bottle this guy up a little bit? Because I think the game plan here right, has to be and we'll talk about our game plan later. But if you can contain this guy force Watson to, to prove that he's the pro bowl quarterback that he's been in the past, force him to force him to pass the ball or get him uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, but they have to be able to stop the run first. Uh, and it's going to be a big test for the Steelers uh, run defense and their, their young defensive line. So with the run defense, the, what I'll say that, but I hoping that they do what I think they should do at least early in the game is like you kind of mentioned, make them prove that they can throw the ball. 
effectively on you. Like put guy eight guys in the yeah. box. I'm talking a lot of snaps for Landon Roberts specifically as well. Get the guys who you know can come downhill, shed blocks, get through blocks, and and at least give yourself a chance to get Chubb before he gets going. Because mm-hmm. if they give him a lane, we know this with Nick Chubb, he will take it the distance. He's very capable of doing that. He's done it a lot throughout his career. There's a couple of times he could have had 60-yard touchdowns where he went out of bounds or, or slid because yeah. he, he was doing the whole, like, ah, I don't care about my fantasy points thing and mm-hmm. we want to win the game, which is which is smart. But, again, the, this fantasy is, owners, but It does, yeah. But it's one of those things where, again, with, with Chubb, if you let him get into space or you give him a lane to get up to speed, once he's up to speed, good luck dealing with him. It's just kind of what it is. Him and Derrick Henry mm-hmm. have that both have that thing where like for different reasons, but once they get up to yeah. speed, it is just hard to tackle these guys. And I, and I think that's the other thing is the tackling has to be much better than it was last week. And I understand like the tackling wasn't that bad by some of the guys, the linebacker group, but you know, you look you look at the missed tackle by Levi Wallace that let Chris McCaffrey score in that long touchdown and stuff like that. Like you have to wrap these guys up, these running backs, especially the mm-hmm. the past two we've played when you have the chance because you're not going to get a lot of great chances to really just wrap these guys up if you if you miss the type of tackles they were missing so it's got to be like i said force them to prove they can throw the football once they do that of course then it just comes down to you have to be able to tackle and you have to be able to to shed these guys inside and it's mm-hmm. going to really be i think that's where benton's going to have to play a big role is i think he's the guy that can get some disruption in the backfield as far as run stopping goes yeah, and I think this whole defense, Shane, comes out pretty intense this week because they don't like to be humiliated. I mean, even you watch TJ Watt in his post-game press conference, he did not care about the the stats that he produced no, he, in that game, the three sacks, him? the two force yeah. fumble. You could tell he was he was visibly mad. And so you don't you never like to, to allow 30 points as a defense and you feel like you you let your team down. There's obviously a two-way street. The offense was equally as bad. So so I, I think that I, I think they come out pretty fired up here. It just it, it's a test because this is a a good running team. Just over the past several years, they've been really good in that regard. Nick Chubb it, it has the chance to just bust off some big plays, and so uh, containing him is going to be key. Keep an eye on that matchup, and again to see how those young uh, defensive linemen do this week. Uh, the next one we have highlighted here, Shane, what matchup to watch: Calvin Austin the third versus the the Browns cornerbacks. This Cleveland defense is looking pretty good, right? It's just one game in, but again, they they just were remarkable against Joe Burrow. Fourteen of twenty-one for eighty-two yards, two point six yards per attempt for Joe Burrow. So if if they can do that to to Burrow, they can do it uh, to Pickett, and, and and so Pickett needs to be aided. Calvin Austin is one player we hope can help in that regard. Obviously, uh, I'm so interested to see what he can do. This is a great test for him. Um, and, and I, I think that, uh, if you can get him the ball in a little bit of space, lead him, have see what kind of work he can do after the catch. Cause I think that that's where he can really aid this team. Uh, he's pretty explosive there. So, uh, how do you see this going and, and what do you think is going to happen here with, uh, the Austin versus the, the Browns defense? I think it's funny that, uh, we we're moving to him next year because, uh, we have a chat here, uh, saying that the Steelers are getting blown out, which if we are going to get blown out, it's probably because, what we're about to talk about with Calvin Austin is that he doesn't do anything. He can't get the offense going and do some of the stuff that, again, we expect from Deontay. So I, I think that the matchup isn't necessarily good in any way for us because, again, that trio of cornerbacks is very, very good. They, If yeah. you're just talking about a trio, it's hard to really beat what the Browns have going on with Denzel Ward. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. like I 
just blanked on everybody else for some reason. Uh, Greg Newsom. Great, Greg Newsom, and then yeah. um, the corner of the draft of last year out of Mississippi State. I can't remember his name right now for some reason. Uh, uh, Martin e- – That's uh, Emerson. That's Emerson. right. I, can, yeah. I always get him mixed up with someone else. But those three they especially, like, they – there's a lot of versatility in that group. There's a lot of athleticism in that group. And the technique that they all play with is is really sound. Like, none of them are these players that, like, mm. robust-type corners or, like, true playmakers in the sense that you can get them on a lot of – plays but they can get you back sometimes it's more just really across the board sound coverage players and ward especially he's the one that you have to worry the most about because he is one of the few corners that probably can match him step for step as far as calvin austin goes because he does have that speed so really it's going to be can he from the slot especially i think that's where they're going to really need to use him in this game even though i do think he can play outside he's going to have to do some of that with deontay you have to be able to match him up with a guy like really ideally Emerson, I think, is if you can get him on him. He has the least – I think he has mm-hmm. the lowest athletic ceiling total of those three corners. If you can get him matched up one-on-one with him, he at least has yeah. the ability to probably shake him a little bit. But this is a tough matchup. Like I think it's going to require George Pickens. I know we're not talking about him right now, but like it's going to require him to make some big plays – in mm. contested situations to kind of move the offense down the field in certain situations because of how good these corners are. You're not going to just straight up beat them all the time. I was going to bring up the same point too with Emerson. If you get that matchup, Emerson is more, is a lot closer to like the Joey Porter junior type of corner. You're yes, the long, long length. Maybe not yeah. as fluid as the other guys right. like Denzel Ward like and, and Greg Newsom. Those guys can just flip their hips right around. Yes. Uh, and they've got ball skills too. Not that Emerson can't take the ball away either. Right. Uh, but I think that getting him maybe in that matchup where you can just maybe create some quick separation. Uh, so it's going to come down to, to that type of game. And so I'll be really interested in, in just, t- just such a tough group to go up against uh, these trio of corners here. And so I'm interested to see which matchup this can the Steelers exploit. I have a feeling George Pickens going to get a lot more targets than what we saw in week one. They kind of just shied away from him. Uh, but I think that uh, if if Calvin Austin can get something going, offer a little bit of yards after the catch here, I think that's going to that obviously be the step in the right direction that the Steelers need here. Shane, is there any other app, uh, matchups that you want to uh, talk about here? I uh, probably just have to touch on Miles Garrett, right? We have to touch on on. Oh, I didn't do that one yet. Yeah, that's yeah, that. Yeah, that is that's a big one here. We so I, we've we've done a decent job of dealing with him the past couple of years, and I, and I say that like. Garrett's going to be one of those guys that he, he's probably, again, if we're talking about just pure pass rushing ability, he's one of the three best in the world. Like just in terms of, can you get mm-hmm. to the quarterback from whatever yeah. alignment? And I think like when we talk about edge rushers, right, there's a conversation to be had about like, who's the best edge rushers in the NFL and who's the best edge defenders. Cause I think those conversations get mixed sometimes where, mm-hmm. because players have different roles, right? Like I think that TJ as a collective player, everything that he does for this team, is the most impactful edge rusher in the NFL because of the different hats that he wears, the different things that we're asking him to do. If we're just purely yeah. saying who who do you want to line up on an offensive tackle on either side and get to the quarterback as quickly as possible, there's a lot of guys who are in that same mm-hmm. category as TJ being as good as him. It's just going to be, again, can they do everything else that he does? So if we're just talking about pure pass yeah. rushing ability, Garrett's up there with the very best that we've seen in a long time. Can they deal with him in a situation where he doesn't destroy the offense? Because that's really what you're trying to do. You're not trying to completely shut him out. You're not trying to give him triple teams and do anything crazy. Can you, with a combination of a tackle and tight end or a running back, whatever, just keep him from destroying the play? And I think if especially they use Darnell Washington as kind of the guy to help with them, 
that's going to be what I want to see. If you could put Washington on mm. the same side as Garrett as much as possible. Now, again, you talked about Jim Schwartz. He is a more aggressive defensive coordinator. He's a much more creative one than Joe Woods ever was. He's probably going to be able to get him in situations where it's very hard to truly double team him. And in that case, you kind of just have to be prepared for that. If you're Kenny Pickett and you have to get the ball out quickly, right? Like you have to be able mm-hmm. to you know, hit your hot reads. You have to be able to adjust to that. But when you get him in a true, just on the edge situation, making sure you have somebody out there that can actually impact him. Cause again, Pat's not going to be able to do that really at least a lot, but if I think Washington can, and we saw him kind of have a pretty nice plan, Bosa week one, now granted Bosa's coming off not playing a whole lot. So maybe you can give him a little bit of grace there, but still Washington, I think is really the key thing here. If you want to be able to keep Garrett from destroying the game plan. Yeah. And this is, Shane, why I would love for the Steelers to adopt some of this creativity that you're yes. seeing some of these yeah. these uh, innovative defensive coordinators for roll sure. with now. Like as good as Watt is in that role and just sticking him on the edge and letting him do his thing, it makes it harder for the opposing team to game plan because you don't know on Absolutely. any given play where he's going to line up. So in terms of Miles Garrett, we're talking in the past. I mean, this guy was their right edge player. I mean, yes, he would go up against the, the the left tackle, and and that's the side that he would primarily play. Now he would flip a little bit. Right. But now, I mean, it's, it's a small sample w- with Schwartz, obviously, but we're seeing this guy get moved all over the place. And like I said, even standing up over center and rushing from the middle. So it's going to be hard for the Steelers to go out and say, yeah, you are X assignment this time when you don't know where Garrett is going to be. And so in the past, they've been able to uh, just the, uh, have either either Chooks earlier in, in his career or Dan Moore of the, of the past two years kind of just line up against him and then you can chip him yes. occasionally. And also the Steelers, I mean, people will say, Oh, they, they can handle Garrett. Garrett does nothing against what, well, yes and no. I mean, you can't just say that, that Garrett has no impact on the Steelers no, game. No. He There's forces a reason. the Steelers to get the ball out of their hands very quickly. Yeah, and they also, even if he's he not getting sacks in the game. Yeah. He's still impacting the game with the quick pressure that he provides. Cause it's not like, it's not like the, the Dan Moore in a core four in the past have just had these, dominant no. performances no, against Garrett. It's, it's not been that way at all. So you can't, th- that's where, that's where Shane, I really caution people against being box score checkers, because if you yeah. go and look and Hey, the Stewards held miles Garrett sackless in this game. Well, what did they have to do? How, yeah, what, how, how much him? attention do they how, have to give? How quick did you get the ball else, out of your hands? Was it like t- 2.3 seconds every play? So, uh, it, the context matters a lot here, it does. but I think that just not knowing that, not knowing who he's going to, like, I couldn't tell you right now, where all of his alignments that he's going to have for this upcoming game, because we have not seen uh, the, the full extent of, of how they're going to deploy him yet. But we have to assume that, yeah, Dan Moore is going to need help. A core force is going to need help. Maybe you're going to need help up the middle occasionally and keeping a Jalen Warren in the backfield on third down or whatever to, for a blitz pickup yeah. uh, or Najee, whatever you want to do there. So you're, you're going to have to think of different, different ways to counteract this guy and account for him. And it's not just him, Shane, either. We talked about Watt and Highsmith. Well, the, the Browns have their own pairing of that in, in Miles Garrett and Zedaria Smith, who is who has even a higher reputation than what Highsmith has at this stage of his career, and, yeah. and he's no slouch either. So that's another player that they're obviously going to have to account for. It's going to be a really good pass rush. We saw Burrow just, just, get, just get pulverized and pounded uh, in his first game. So cannot see a repeat performance of Pickett getting sacked five times and the pressure getting there quickly and, and, and Dan Moore grading out as the worst offensive tackle in the league. Like we – We've got to see that step up. It's got to start right now. Uh, and so I'll be interested to see what happens. And it's worth noting, too, that a core four in concussion protocol, we don't know how that one's going to play out yet. Obviously, uh, Wednesday is the, the first day the, the injury report comes out. We yeah. don't have that yet. It usually comes out in the evening. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see, uh, is he going to be ready in time? And if not, Shane, the plan, I'm sure, is going to be Broderick slides in at left tackle. Dan more kicks to the right side. That's what we saw all summer. We saw them flirting with that. We saw it hap- uh, We saw that. I saw that when I was down in Latrobe. I saw that uh, when the Steelers, uh, in some of their preseason game, where they would flip for a little bit uh, to show that alignment. And even in this last game, when core four left late in the game, I think it was only for like four snaps, but D- Dan Moore came in at left tackle. Or excuse me, uh, Broderick came in at left tackle. Dan Moore kicked over to the right side over there. So I'd be interested to see how that uh, would work out as well. Because boy, talk about a tall task for for Broderick in his first game is going against Miles Garrett. So yeah, uh, and whoever else he gets, Darius Smith on that side, whoever they want to flop over there and blitz from that edge. So uh, just a difficult, difficult assignment. You get back-to-back weeks uh, of two really, really good edge groups and you go in from, from one uh, all pro guy in Nick Bosa to the next and miles Garrett. Uh, any other matchups that you want to highlight here, Shane? No, I think we can move on here. All right. Let's talk about our keys to success. Steelers versus Browns. Steelers are trying to avoid dropping to zero and two on the season. And this would be devastating <sighs> for yeah. a couple of different reasons. For starters, Shane, the Steelers have never made the playoffs when this Mike Tomlin started zero and two from the figure that I saw, at least I got that from somebody on Twitter. I have to fact check that, but I'm pretty right. sure that's accurate. Uh, I, in the, the stat was uh, Tomlin was, uh, twice he's been Owen two starting the season off and neither time he has made the playoffs. This is not the way that you want to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that there's been bad starts in the past where he'd start like one and two, one and three, the Steelers have still made it at that point, but starting Owen two, it can be devastating. And the other reason Shane is this is a divisional game against yeah. the Browns team who many are expecting. All right, Steelers, if you're getting a wild card spot, we're expecting Browns to be like, you are the, the floor of the AFC North. Well, that's not going to be the case right early in the season, at least if Browns go up 2-0 and and the Steelers are 0-2. With, and not only that, but Browns, they would probably be likely to hold divisional tiebreakers at the end of yeah. the season because last year, Shane, every team in the AFC North went 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. Well, the Browns being already 2-0 and in the division, they would have a huge leg up. Oh, and yeah. chances are they would probably finish better than three and three. And so they're going to end up with those tiebreakers. Those tiebreakers are huge at the end of the year. If these teams finish nine and eight, 10 and seven. So this is really a big game. I mean, it, 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 and I said this before on one of the other pods chain for how tight the AFC race is going to be the AFC entire picture in general uh, with, with so many teams out there like the Steelers Ravens. We'll see about the jets. We talked about them not having Aaron Rodgers anymore. Uh, The, the chargers, the Titans, there's going to be a lot of teams potentially in that group, in that mix there, um, who could be fighting for those, the dolphins. Uh, so there's only three spots to go around. When we talk about wild card race, all these games are like playoff games. I mean, that's what the NFL is, is what makes it so great. They don't have 82 teams like basketball or 162, like baseball. If I, if I have my figure right there, I don't yeah, watch baseball. Yeah, it's 162. So yeah. it, when you play a 17 game schedule, you got to play these like they are playoff games. Can't go down going on a rant here. Uh, let's talk about the keys to success for this game, Monday night football Steelers versus Browns. Uh, let's start with the offensive side of the football chain and I'll let you go first. What do the Steelers need to do on offense? They have to run the football. Well, that's, that's the number one thing you have to be able to negate this pass rush a little bit. You have to be able to not be in a situation where you were last week, where you had Mm -hmm. to abandon the run game. Cause again, we didn't get a lot of it, but we did get an explosive run from Najee. Warren nearly, really never had a chance to get going either. Like There was a couple moments when they did run the ball where it was fine. It's just, again, they couldn't stick to it because of the game mm-hmm. script. You cannot allow that to happen this game because if you get down 10 nothing, 17 nothing like you were last week, this pass rush 
is going to destroy them. It just is. You cannot give them the ability to tee off on the quarterback, especially Kenny coming off of maybe his worst game as a pro in terms of how he actually looked on the field. You have to be able to give yep. him some confidence. The best way to do that, be an advantageous second and third downs, be able to keep keep control of the ball, let him get into a rhythm and not have to force things. That's really the key to it. Everything else is just how do you get there, right? Like I don't really care how they do that. I don't care if it's, you know, Najee getting 20 carries in the first half. I don't care if it's Jalen Warren getting, you know, a bunch of carries. It's like whoever it ends up being that can get the run game going. If that can be established, then everything else starts to work better. Canada's offense is not exposed to play offense. We cannot allow them to have to throw the ball 50 times to get 250 yards like we tend to do when that happens. Right? Like this has to be an offense that's run through the running backs. And if it works well, then we can keep the Browns off the field too because their running game is going to be even more deadly than ours, of course. It's just kind of what they do. You have to be able to put them in a position where, okay, maybe they have to play some catch-up and they have to put the ball in the air. And if you mm-hmm. do that with Watson right now, he's probably going to throw you a couple based on what we've seen from him in the past you know, years or so of change. So that's really my number one thing is establish their ground game. If that doesn't work, they're going to be in trouble right away. Yeah, Shane, anytime you see – a team passed the ball 46 times and run the ball 10 times. And it was even more dropbacks in that. Cause pick yes, six, five times six. Yeah. 51 dropbacks, I believe and and in 10 rushes, Not good. like that is a recipe for disaster. And you can immediately tell that that team is trailing in that game. And they just, they lost all hope of even trying to run the football. So, and that can happen. I mean, when you go down multiple scores, obviously yeah, you do have to abandon the run at certain yeah. point. You hope that the Steelers can't do that or don't do that this time because if you do have to abandon the run, it probably means things aren't, aren't going very well for you. Yeah. And they need to be more successful running the ball. I mean, apart from that, the the nice run that Najee had there where he, he bounced it outside right tackle, went down the sideline there and took the shot. Uh, the running, running game really was quite stagnant. It wasn't working yeah. on that in the nine carries previous to, to that one. So uh, I, I think that they do have to be able to stick with it much, much better. The offensive line has to, to to show some aggressiveness here and just kind of bully the guys up in front of them. I mean, that's why we're making these investments here now. So we'll see. Can Siumalu bounce back? I mean, Siumalu yeah, had did a not have grade his, from PFF, grade, yeah. and you could see. I went back and watched the game, obviously, uh, Monday morning, and you saw him get beat several times, and it's it's not what you want to see from that, not the, the guy that you're paying money to. Uh, I kind of have a feeling that'll be his worst game of the year. I, and I think so. the Steelers were just yeah. caught off guard a little bit. Um, but we'll see how that works moving forward. So I think that's a big one. Uh, the balanced approach of the offense, Shane. And so yeah. my my uh, my key to the offense would be Kenny Pickett has to be more accurate. And some of yeah, the other things, like sure. it's yeah. he's going to make the occasional bad decision. I think that that comes with the territory here with being being a young quarterback. He's going to try to extend the play, and I don't mind him doing that. He's going to yeah. it. And he I said to, this for really. I said this for the last couple of years when their their offense was so stagnant with Ben. I'm like, I don't care if Ben's not getting sacked. If you're also not making plays at all and your offense stinks, then then you have to you have to expose yourself to some risk, Shane. And so I don't care if Pickett takes the occasional sack because I like that he's trying to yes. extend the play and, and make something happen. So I can live with that. What I have a problem living with is you see Deontay Johnson on a slant for a wide open touchdown and you throw him low and behind his his hip where he's got to reach yeah. down past his knee. Like those are very, very routine plays. You have to make those plays in those moments. And that's something that Pickett has to be better at. Uh, so we'll see if he can kind of bounce back in, from an accuracy standpoint in week two. I kind of feel like he's not going to be as inaccurate as we saw that week because that's not really who he's been. Like even no. dating back to uh, his time as a senior at Pitt where he, he I mean, that was one of his his niches was his accuracy, his accuracy on the run. Uh, so I want to see those things happen this week. And I think that that can really help improve 
the offense. All right, Shane, let's kick over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, key to the defense for the Steelers this week against the Browns on Monday Night Football. Prevent Nick Chubb from destroying your life. <laughs> you you have to sell out against Nick Chubb early on. Make sure he doesn't get going early because if he gets going early yep. and they can rely on that run attack and not have to put the ball in the air a ton, they're going to be really dangerous mm-hmm. because the one thing I will say with Stefanski is his play calling week one from whatever from everything I saw and the clips I was able to see, because I didn't watch the game in full at this point yet, probably will before the game this week, but he was calling really good plays. It wasn't like Deshaun Watson was not having anything to do out there and didn't have any way of you know completing passes. He just wasn't very effective, honestly. So if yeah. they run game going again, like they did against the Bengals, and he can hit more of those plays that are open, that's when you're going to be in a lot of trouble, right? Like you cannot allow what happened against the Niners where they go off quickly, the run game's working, they can hit some big plays in the passing game. If that happens, once again, we're going to be in a situation where Kenny has to go out there and just kind of take the punishment and try to complete passes on every on every drive, and that's just not a mm-hmm. key to success, as we're talking about here. So defensively, keep Nick Chubb in check, <clears throat> force Deshaun Watson to be the reason that they win or lose. And at this point, again, we've talked about it, I'm more betting on him being the reason they lose than win. So that mm-hmm. has to be the key is trying to get him to put the ball in the air. Yeah, Shane, I, I'm going to have to agree with you here. I mean, yeah. what else can you look at? Because I think you have to make Deshaun Watson beat you. I mean, yes, from everything at this point, team, you have to because yeah, he hasn't shown it yet. Yes, until he actually shows us that he is that quarterback, that Pro Bowl quarterback with the 100 yeah. pass rating uh, in the past with the Houston Texans. If Until he shows you that he's that guy, force him to beat you. Don't make Chubb yes. beat you because if the Browns can control the game and control the tempo the way that they want to and the way that they're planning to against the Steelers this week, then that's where you're going to have your issues. So yes, yeah. they do have to, they have to shut down Nick Chubb. They have to at least keep him to just, just a modest performance here because yes. if they let him go off, it's going to be a long uh, night Especially for the Steelers the, the on Monday night play, football. The chunk plays is what they have to avoid because we saw yeah. last year. Like if they can, if he's going to average four and a half, five yards carry, which he probably will realistically, mm-hmm. just what he does is consistently is. at that number. Don't let it be the 40-yard play that gets them into the scoring range. Don't let it be the 60-yard mm-hmm. touchdown that he, he's capable of. Like, exactly If you that. have to force them to, to make move the ball down the field consistently, it opens up opportunities for us to make a play, whether it's you know third mm-hmm. down sack from TJ or whatever, force turnovers. Like The more they have to run plays and they can't just rely on the round, ground game to get them chunk plays, the more opportunities you're going to have to make plays as a defense. Yeah, 100%. And I, that's what I think it has to be. I mean, the Steelers, it, it, late last year when they played Deshaun, uh, played against Deshaun Watson, they made him look awful. Yes. And so yeah. not that Deshaun can't be better now in another offseason with the Browns, uh, but I think that that is the key there. Let him tee off. I mean, we've got favorable mashups. You're, you're talking TJ Watt against Daywan Jones, and Alex mm-hmm. Highsmith did well, has done well against uh, Jedrick Wills. And so these are guys that can get pressure if you force them to pass. So playing, if you're able to play with the lead, which I really hope the Steelers can kind of bounce out to a lead so they can play their style of football yeah. and have a way more balanced approach instead of seeing that 46 passes <laughs> to, to 10 rushes. Yeah. So if the Steelers are able to do that, then you can take away the 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 intentions that the Browns have, which is to play, play their game. They'll be forced to drop back more. Watson could make some mistakes. He's, he's certainly uh, prone to that and take a lot of sacks. Like he's, he's prone to doing as well. Um, so that is the key. I believe I, I, I concur with you there. That's what the Steelers have to do defensively. Make sure you're stopping that run. Uh, Steven chimes in Deshaun running the ball could be a huge factor. It could be, yeah, I, mean, I think he had five carries for 45 yards and a touchdown he did. Uh, yeah. in this, in this previous game. And although he didn't do, 
well as a passing quarterback necessarily. He had an ugly, ugly interception. Don't know if you caught he that did. one. Yeah, he did. Stain yeah. or not, but I don't know where he was going with the ball there. But you're right. <laughs> no, I don't uh, think he did either. You're, you're right, though, with that comment, because he can beat you with his legs, and that's something that we've seen in the past. And so the Steelers, they do have to contain him. I do think that TJ Watt is just the – can be the best in the league. You watch him against Lamar Jackson. Like he shuts down Jackson that way because he's so disciplined that when Jackson tries to roll out, he knows exactly the, the, the right angle to take in the position to be. So if the whole team can practice that discipline against Deshaun as well, uh, they can contain him there, but I agree. That's, that's a big one as well. All right, Shane, it is time for us to give our game predictions for the Steelers versus Browns Monday night football week two, before we sign off on the show here. Uh, so let's start with you, Shane. Uh, give us a winner and a score. So uh, unfortunately, I do have to take everything in consideration that I've seen so far and the injuries and everything else. And I have a hard time thinking that this team is going to be able to beat the Browns right now. I really think that the Browns, mm-hmm. what they showed in week one, is really difficult to deal with defensively. I do think it's going to be a much better game, especially on the offensive side of the ball overall, just because of how bad it was week one. But I do think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. It's going to be a kind of a drag-out fight. I'm going to say 2017 Browns. Unfortunately, that's just kind of what I see happening at this point. I expect there to be, like I said, a bounce back by the offense a little bit, at least get things more in line with what they want to do offensively. Again, though, unfortunately, just because they do what they want to do offensively doesn't mean they're going to score a lot of points. That That's kind of the main issue with the Steelers is they can have a good game by their standards and still score 17 points. So I'm hoping that I'm wrong about that. But at this point, it feels like it's going to be tough to score enough points on this Browns defense. Yeah, and, and for all of you uh, listening right now, Shane and I, we don't share our predictions beforehand, so no. I don't know Shane's. Shane doesn't know mine. Uh, we, it's not a group thing here, thing here either. No. And Shane, I went the opposite direction of you okay. this week. Gotcha. Now, I predicted that the Steelers would win in a, in a, a field goal, a game decided mm-hmm. by a field goal last week. I was very, very wrong on that. I own up right. to that. I did right. not foresee the, the home blowout happening. Steelers now, they've got home again. Yep. We know this team in prime yep. time. They were embarrassed badly. They know what people are saying about them right now. I'm sure they've seen the Trent Williams comments about, oh, we we, we would like to, to Stewart to pick up a first down on offense so that, so that we could get a break for ourselves. They don't take kindly to that. No. Mike Tomlin doesn't like to be humiliated twice in a row. No. And, and we know we know this guy's track record uh, when it comes to the kind of these bounce back performances like this. I have the Steelers, Shane, winning a 20 to 17 game. You have got them losing 2017. I've got them winning 2017. So if you're if you're a better, that puts us both on the under. We're betting the under this week at 39 and a half yeah, total fair. points. Yeah. So we would take the under on that. Uh, but I'm just on the other side of that, Shane, because I think that uh, this Steelers team with the, their veteran leadership that they have in, in a player like TJ Watt and and in their their coaching leadership they have in Mike Tomlin, I think this is one of one of Mike Tomlin's niches, if he's got one of these niches, it's, it's I'm not going to be humiliated twice right. in a row. And the Steelers know what's on the line here. I mean, you can't yeah. go down 0-2 and, and have the Browns go not only 2-0, and but 2-0 and against the AFC North. So I think the Steelers match up well against uh, the, the Browns. For the most part, the Steelers are going to have their own struggles on the opposite side of things, like defending Miles Garrett and Zedaria Smith. But I do think that the Steelers, I mean, historically – they really have just owned the Browns. Not that eventually the Browns are going to make that switch. They're going to be a different team. They're going to be a well-coached team that finally puts that talent together and they're going to get it. 
I think the Steelers come away with a field goal type game again, 2017. Uh, that's my game prediction. The Steelers are going to try to save their season right now. They're going to be fired up for this game. They're not going to come out lazy. They're not going to come out and, and, and get it handed to them. And, and Shane, I said it last week, but I will say it again this week. I'm going to double down now. Give me a double down chance. Mm-hmm. Steelers are not going to get humiliated in this game. If they lose a game, it'll be kind of like what you predicted. It's going to be yeah. a close game. I cannot see them coming and getting the pants beat off them in this game after what they just went through in week one. So that's our predictions. Let's see what you guys think. Shane and I are about to sign off here uh, for the game. Please make sure you're following stillcurtain.com for all of your latest Steelers news and opinions. Uh, Make sure we've got somebody chiming in here. 34 to 10 book it Browns. Oh, I hope not. Uh, Let's let's see. Let's see. Well, we'll take the wait and see approach. I'm not ready to give up on the Steelers just yet after one miserable performance, but we will see what happens here. Thank you for joining us today on the show. We go live every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Make sure you mark that down in your Google calendars so that you can follow along with us. Uh, I do this 40 to 50 hours a week, sometimes 60 hours a week. Shane does a ton of football stuff. He does the podcast with me. He's the contributor. So we we know what we're doing here. We talk about this stuff all the time and we, yes. do, we do our research. So please stick with us. We're so thankful for all of you that, that showed up uh, in the chat today and on the live stream. Uh, please make sure that you follow us every Wednesday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks for joining us on the chat today. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Steel Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Steel Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening to the Steel Curtain podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.